It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. Welcome to the show, guys. Glad to have you along. Make sure, if you get the chance to, if you haven't, to subscribe to the Newsmax Daily on Apple Podcasts today. And if you would, leave a five-star review. That would be huge. Getting a lot of great reviews. Obviously, people like what's happening on the show. It is uh, different than other conservative talk out there. It is uh, informative, funny, and uh, motivational. Occasionally. Occasionally. We have much to get to today. I have piles and piles of, uh, of show material, lots of audio. Special guest today, later this hour, Darren Beatty of Revolver. Revolver is a wonderful, wonderful new news site. And I look forward to uh, Revolver every single day. Also, the UK Daily Mail is one of my other favorites. It's like a guilty pleasure in the New York Post, which is Gotham's paper. But anyway, Darren's going to be talking to us about January the 6th being an inside job by the uh, FBI. They knew about it. They knew about it. They knew that it wasn't an orchestrated insurrection. Uh, they did know that apparently some people were going to head to the Capitol, and they did nothing about it. So we're going to get to that very shortly on the uh, on the show. Uh, U.S. says a drone strike killed a senior Al-Qaeda leader, to which I say, I'll believe it when I see it. All right? Uh, I'll believe it when... And I really hate this. I really hate that right now, and, and especially after this god-awful testimony by several generals and our our uh, defense secretary this week, that we can't trust anything coming from the higher-ups of the military. They say that Salim Abu Abad was responsible for planning, funding, and approving trans-regional al-Qaeda attacks. There are no indications of civilian casualties as a result of the strike. you got to clear that up because the last time they went after a couple terrorists, it ended up killing 10 people, including seven children. So uh, show me the drone footage, people, because I ain't buying it. Oh, my gosh. Guys, we have a reason now. We have what could be a potential game changer as far as getting the COVID vaccine. Are you vaccinated yet? Are you vaccinated yet? I know we have everybody running PSAs, and the president got his hairy arm uh, stuck with a booster the other day in, in front of a fake TV set. Did you see that? They literally have built a fake TV set with uh, fake windows that aren't open to anything, but just have a fake wallpaper in them to make it look like he's sitting by a window. I think I've said everything I need to say about the president right there uh, in, in terms of just being a facade. That said, listen, listen. You anti-vaxxers. Scientists have reported a case of COVID-19 positive patient who reportedly developed, are you ready for this? Restless anal syndrome after suffering from the respiratory illness. This uh, gentleman is a 77-year-old man. Uh, I believe he was in, uh, in uh, Tokyo, yeah, Tokyo Medical Center, and, uh, and he had experienced insomnia and anxiety while battling the disease and was eventually hospitalized several weeks after he was discharged. <clears throat> he reportedly began to experience restless, deep anal discomfort. Experts treated the man with a daily uh, 1.5 milligram dosage of a uh, sedative, uh, which is used to treat anxiety and panic disorders as well as seizures. The patient's condition reportedly improved over a course of a 10-month uh, treatment regimen. So apparently this guy's brain was affecting his posterior. Now, normally there's a direct connection there, which I believe makes him a Democrat. Uh, Democrats, for instance, pull their ideas out of their posterior and their brains are full of crap. So I think you can see the comparison here. 
So in case you uh, are worried about restless anal syndrome, um, you might want to consider getting the stick. Uh, To date, no case of restless anal syndrome associated with COVID-19 has been previously published. The case report may reflect the uh, associative impacts on COVID-19, of COVID-19, on the neuropsychiatric state. But again, I wouldn't worry about it if you're not a Democrat, because, you know, because, you know. Uh, Here's what's going on in Washington, D.C. with regard to this ungodly, awful attempt to socialize America. And if this does fall, and it's still a big if, this will end. This will end Joe Biden's presidency effectively. His ability to, to wield power in the country. Because we've had enough. We've had enough. When he went to the congressional baseball game the other night, he got booed. This is normally a crowd that, you know, goes to see this game. I mean, they make all sorts of noise, Republicans and Democrats, but Joe Biden got booed. So what they had to do, they uh, they passed legislation that would avoid a partial federal shutdown and keep the government funded through December the 3rd. They sent the bill to uh, Joe Biden, the back-to-back votes by the Senate, and then House will help avert uh, one crisis but just delay another as the political parties dig in on the dispute over how to raise the government's borrowing cap before the United States risks a potentially catastrophic default. Catastrophic default. So uh, apparently it is going to, uh, the the bill, the spending bill hasn't passed, but they're going to keep the government open because God knows we can't live without government. Seriously, I mean, all the wonderful things the government does, like closing down your business for a for a pandemic that's been greatly overblown, things like that. But, you know, I don't know why there's a problem with this, because Joe Biden says it's not going to cost anything. We talk about price tags. The, it is zero price tag on the debt. We're paying. We're going to pay for everything. We- yeah, you know what? It's Again, I'm going to use the uh, puppy analogy. Uh, you know, if you get a kid and a kid, uh, you know, has shown no ability to show restraint or responsibility and the kid comes to you and says, your kid says, hey, listen, I, I want a puppy this time. I want a puppy. And I promise you, I promise you, dad, that that puppy that we had the last time that uh, died, um, you know, I, I know I didn't water him and feed him and anything. And I and I didn't do all the things that I promised. But this time I'm absolutely going to do what I promised. So will you please just give me a five trillion dollar puppy? And the American people are saying to the, uh, the kid in the White House and, and in Congress, uh, no, you know what? You really haven't shown any sign of responsibility whatsoever. So uh, take your $5 trillion puppy and stick it in a place that you might, it might be restless if you're a Democrat and you have COVID-19. Here's Jim Jordan on the Democrats being in disarray, which I absolutely, I absolutely love. Well, we don't know if they're going to be a pastor or not, but they're definitely in disarray. Tell me, tell me one thing they've done that's actually been good for the country. In the Hold last- on, let me think about this. Let me think about it. Mm, no. Last nine months since they've controlled all the government. So we don't know. We don't know what will happen. Hold on, hold on. I've been thinking about it a little bit more here, and uh, I still got nothing. We do know this. Nancy Pelosi's already misled her own conference. She told she told the uh, the so-called. Now she wouldn't do that because she's a happy American grandma. She is a happy American grandma. Think about that acronym, will you? Moderates that there was going to be a vote on this $1.2 trillion package on Monday the 27th. Well, there are a bunch of happy American grandmas in the Senate. Here we are on Thursday. And the House. The 30th, and they still haven't had that vote. So I think we just got to wait and see what they put together. Uh, but what I do know is anything they pass is going to be bad for the country because that's all they have done in the nine months they've controlled the federal government. Yeah, I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much thinking that. And they also uh, you know, want the Republicans to vote for raising the debt ceiling because, you know, uh, we aren't in enough debt. Remember, 
Democrats control all the government. They right. control the White House, the Senate, the, 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 the House of Representatives. But somehow it's the Republicans' fault that there's not a debt ceiling increase. <laughs> this is the same Democrats who told us, oh, the $3.5 trillion plan doesn't cost a penny. That's what the president said. Yeah, it doesn't cost a dime. Doesn't That puppy won't even need to pay for the food or water or anything or the vet bills. No, that puppy that puppy is 100% free, that, that trillion, $5 trillion puppy. Here is uh, Stephen Moore. He appeared on uh, Newsmax talking about what's going on with the, uh, the Senate and the House and this ungodly debacle. Uh, the debt uh, ceiling increase. They don't have the votes to pass the uh, their so-called sham infrastructure bill, and they don't have the votes for their $5 trillion. It's human infrastructure. Uh, atrocity bill that would uh, expand the social welfare state. Uh, the Democrats are now uh, uh, kind of uh, scuffling with each other. You've got the uh, moderates of the party that are... All two of them. Uh, really getting a lot of attacks from the the squad and the and the Bernie Sanders wing of the party and the Happy American Grandmas party and they've got a real tough time of it. They they uh, had a real problem earlier this week because Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader of the Senate, really outwitted them. And uh, Chuck Schumer had to put his is that possible for him to outwit anybody tail between his legs? And he was trying to get the Republicans to go along with this massive <laughs> debt ceiling bill. So the bottom line here yeah. is that they're nowhere right now. And they're so desperate that they're starting to use these crazy lines, as you just said, uh, that's become almost like a late night comedy routine where uh, Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden said it's free. It's free. It's free. You won't even have to feed him or take care of him or take him to the vet. It's all free. This $5 trillion puppy will pay for itself. Will pay for itself. And, and you know, have you ever noticed that a while back they said this uh, this vaccine was completely 100% work almost all the time and you'd never get COVID again and you'd never have to wear a mask again and now you suddenly got to wear a mask again and now you got the Delta variant here and... Uh, you know why they? Uh, you know why they are saying all this stuff. You know why Kamala Harris and Joe Biden still conveniently wear masks when the camera's on. Well, uh, here's uh, here is Stephen Moore explaining why. The economic crisis of COVID is over. You know. Oh, oh, oh! <laughs> wait a wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! So then there would be no reason to uh, jam this through, right? I mean, the, the, the crisis is over. They're using COVID. They're using fear. They're using all these things to ram this through. And people aren't buying it. The economic crisis of COVID is over. You know, report just came out. We had 6.5% growth in the economy in the, uh, in the, in the uh, second quarter. That's a very strong number. We, this is what happens when you open your doors and can allow people to come into your business. should be enough that the crisis this is over, we should towards, move towards cutting government spending by about 10 or 15% across the board, of course. Yeah, that's never happened, I don't think. Democrats are doing the opposite yeah. because you know their theme is a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. They want to use this moment ding, 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 ding. to massively increase the national debt, increase our tax rates, increase the presence of government in our life. By the way, a child born today, Ooh. by the time they are 30, yeah. if this bill passes, will will have a $307,000 essentially share of the national debt. All right, kids. Well, I know I, you were just born, but in 30 years, you're going to be $300,000 in the hole. Combine that with your $300,000 in student loans, and you're pretty much screwed. Welcome to America. <laughs> One thing that the Biden administration wants as part of this human infrastructure bill, that's a human infrastructure bill, is $80 billion more for the IRS and 80,000 more agents to track you down and throw you in jail or punish you for thoughts. That's what it's all about. Left wing. That's what it's all about.
And so in this bill, they want banks to turn over to the Internal Revenue Service information for all accounts holding more than $600. So for instance, um, I got out of one honeydew project uh, this weekend. I, it's tiling the, uh, the entryway to the house because I just was like, I'm done, I can't do it. And so my wife says, well, we got a little in savings here. We'll go ahead and pay it. I'm paying the guy $500. It's a pretty big area and, and uh, trust me, my knees, yeah, it's a good idea. You know, $600, whatever. Um, so if it's $600, the government media is gonna know about it. Why is that? Why is that? Here is Congressperson uh, Cynthia Loomis grilling Janet Yellen, Treasury Secretary, and uh, just, I mean, an ungodly corrupt, an ungodly corrupt woman who's, a, who's a, an academic who never has any solutions for the economy but to print money. There are obvious privacy concerns for all Americans here. Our banks will have to hire contractors to rat on their customers implement new computer software, deploy resources better used elsewhere. Weep, 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 weep. Somebody bought a, uh, a love seat in Kenosha. In order to collect data. We gotta track them down. For the government. I hear they're Trump supporters. Government. Bank customers are not subjects of the federal government. Banks do not work for the IRS. Thank you very much. A little bit more from this uh, congressperson. Are you aware of how unnecessary this regulatory burden is? Do you distrust the American people so much that you need to know when they bought a couch or a cow? I am astounded (laughs) by what you're supporting and proposing. I think it's invasive. I think privacy for individuals is getting is it more invasive than uh, making someone show their papers for vaccination before getting on an airline flight or going to a restaurant? Nord, and I think treating the American people like they are subjects of the government is unconscionable. Yes, but it's what they want. And finally, here is Janet Yellen responding to this uh, unbelievable part of this bill. Banks already report directly to the IRS the interest that they pay on accounts when it exceeds $10. And this is not a proposal to provide detailed transaction level data by banks to the IRS. Yeah, it is, it is. It is a proposal to add two additional pieces of easily (laughs) ascertained. That's all it is, guys. Just a little pinprick, you won't feel anything. Hello. They are working very hard, and I'm talking about the man um, in Washington, D.C., to silence all opposition, whether that be through the government policy, mainstream media, water carriers, or big social media. We're going to get on all of this as the show progresses if we have time. I literally have enough stuff for like 10 shows today. And another thing that the government is doing is they are demonizing people. Uh, Right now, we have a man who is in jail. He is the only person being held accountable for the Afghan pullout. And the reason why he's being held accountable is because the military, uh, they arrested him and threw him in jail for speaking out about what a cluster bleep it was. We had hearings on Capitol Hill. Uh, this week featuring a couple of generals and uh, and a uh, secretary of defense. We all know that the Afghan pullout was a gigantic, gigantic error. It was a, a clown car 
on fire going over a cliff into a, a, a giant lake full of sharks and alligators. <clears throat> but um, Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, I guess, is in jail. We're going to hear from his parents later. And, and here's the latest. Here, here's another thing. L- listen to this. So one minute you're a hero, the next minute you're not. You know, there was a there was a guy who was pulled on on stage at Donald Trump's last rally, and he is uh, he 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 lifted a baby over uh, the barbed wire fence in Kabul, and he was welcomed on stage. And now the Marine Corps is looking at him for a political appearance. Okay, we know that January sixth, there are dozens and dozens of January sixth protesters, not insurrectionists, because the FBI says it didn't happen. But now they are in jail, many of them in solitary confinement. And now, a month after, literally a month after, Bill de Blasio held a, a hero's parade for um, health care workers. It looks like bunches of them are getting fired. Here's a little bit from Michael Knowles about that. Well, I have a solution for the New York health care workers. What they need to go is uh, they need to fly down to Mexico and then they yes. need to run across the Rio Grande. Yes. And then they're going to have it made. They're going to have it absolutely made in the shade. They'll get a lot of preferential treatment from the government. This is just the latest flip flop in the entire covid narrative. I want to finish this uh, soundbite from Michael Knowles real quick about what the government, the New York government is doing. Uh, after celebrating healthcare workers a month ago with a ticker tape parade. Last year, the New York healthcare workers in particular were the greatest heroes in oh, yeah. the history of our nation. Awesome. But today, because it's politically convenient for the ruling class, they get thrown out of their jobs. Uh, and you, you've heard this from 15 days to slow the spread. Today is now, I think, the 583rd day of 15 <laughs> yeah, days to slow the yes. spread. You've heard this with all of the goalposts moving. Now even the fully vaccinated are not technically fully vaccinated. Yeah, it's a, you know, you're, it's a, it's a put on. It's a shakedown. It is a farce. Darren Beatty is with Revolver News. Revolver News, my new favorite site that I go to almost I usually first thing every day. And he joins me on the uh, on the phone. Darren, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. I've been I've been watching a lot of your stuff and sharing a lot of it on the air uh, with regard to the January sixth. Let's just call it a protest. And you discovered you discovered a while back, and the New York Times finally figured out that the FBI had at least one informant at the Capitol protests, um, so they knew about it. Why don't you explain to me what you discovered and why uh, now at least the New York Times has picked up on it? Yeah. So. We first came out with a piece in mid-June that took a careful look at the charging documents pertaining to some of the key uh, militia figures who have been indicted for um, 1-6 related crimes. And we noticed something very peculiar. We noticed um, egregious instances of selective prosecution. That means that in most cases, it was actually the underlings and little fish, as it were, who were prosecuted for trivial uh, 1-6 related crimes. And yet there are various people referred to throughout the charging documents who not only seem to do much worse in terms of what they were talking about than the people actually indicted, but they occupied more senior positions within the uh, militia groups uh, described. Mm-hmm. And so this is very strange to see that they were taking this extremely aggressive approach after um, uh, going after fairly trivial people for very trivial things. And yet, in many cases, the leaders or senior members of these groups who did just as much, if not more, according to the charging documents, were free. And mm-hmm. so 
this is very clearly an instance of selective prosecution, yeah. or, or in this case, selective non-prosecution. And we asked, well, what could be an explanation for this? Then we um, uh, basically observed something that nobody was talking about at the time, uh, the Michigan case. Many yes. people don't know. In fact, I would guess many of your listeners still don't know that just months before the so-called storming of the Capitol, there was a so-called plot not only to kidnap the governor of Michigan, but that plot also involved storming of the Michigan state Capitol. Uh It involved one of the three main (laughs) militia groups that's blamed for 1-6. And at the time that we reported it, five of the plotters had been known to have been federal agents or, or, or informants. Now we know the number wasn't five, it was actually 12. So 12 out of the 26 people charged in this Michigan storming of the Capitol were actually feds. And so we <laughs> took this contextually and we said, could one plausible explanation for the selective non-prosecution of some of these senior militia members in the 1-6 case, could it be the same reason that yeah. uh, accounted for the non-prosecution of the informants, now known informants and undercover agents, in the very similar Michigan case. So that was that was sort of the the uh, general argument that really blew this whole thing up, changed the national conversation. I think the one place that the uh, corrupt regime does not want our attention to be focused on, and that is the question of FBI involvement, FBI foreknowledge. And as you mentioned just recently, the New York Times very reluctantly, I keep mentioning, the New York Times is not in the business no. of vindicating Revolver.News. They don't want <laughs> no. to vindicate you. They don't want to vindicate your listeners. Yes. They nonetheless published a piece acknowledging that there were multiple informants in the Proud Boys alone, some of whom went into the Capitol, who were texting their FBI handlers in real time as the <laughs> events of 1-6 unfolded. Wow. And the reason, the reason that this is significant... Oh. I should point out the reason that this is significant, and this goes back to the sort of the opening scene, as it were, in the in the revolver original revolver dot news piece. We opened with a clip in which Senator Amy Klobuchar inquires of uh, FBI Director Ray as to the existence, possible existence of informants, but she frames her quote unquote question in a very peculiar way. She doesn't ask him directly, so did you guys have informants? She says, basically, I know you didn't have informants, but don't you just kick yourself that you didn't have informants there, (laughs) and it was this big (laughs) intelligence failure, and you just didn't know what was going on, and so you couldn't do anything to stop it. Don't you just kick yourself that you weren't in a position to know what was going on so you couldn't stop it? And that really underscored this intelligence failure official explanation for how it happened. But now that we know for a fact that there are multiple informants and there are likely to be many more revealed in the near future, the question poses itself. If they had informants in real time, informing, giving them information, in some cases months prior to the 1-6 event, how do they explain 
why they didn't do anything. How do they explain if they were, had informants, they were presumably informed, what's their explanation for why they didn't do anything to stop it, why they sat back and let it happen on purpose? And I think you and I and all of your listeners, we're all smart enough to know the answer to that question, and that's why they don't want us focused on these informants. They wanted it to be another Reichstag moment, uh, and and I noticed this and noticed this immediately the day after all of the all of the self flagellation, even by conservatives. Oh, we don't approve of this, and oh, it was the worst thing ever, and oh, la, 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 and all this. And I looked at it and I went, you know, uh, nonsense. And I, and I saw some of the pictures, like on the cover of uh, the New York Times and elsewhere, where it showed uh, this this brooding photo looking up at the Capitol with all of these protesters and Trump signs, and they darkened the sky to make it look like night. And they made the crowd look like they had lit a fire in front of the building, which didn't happen. And I said, this is nonsense. This is all about covering up 2020. That's one thing. That's one main thing. Because people recognize something very, very peculiar happened during the 2020 election. They went on 1-6 because they were hoping that somebody would do something and people would at least investigate it. And they attempted to make it into a Reichstag moment so they could go after Trump supporters. That's what it's been since the get-go. And then also the FBI, their level of corruption is so just beyond belief right now. You have the Durham report coming out showing that Perkins Coie had close ties with Hillary Clinton, obviously being one of their agency that worked with, and they were working with the FBI in real time as well mm-hmm. with regard to mm-hmm. the, uh, the the dossier, which turned out to be fake. Um, yeah. Um, where do you go from here, dude? What are you finding uh, since this came out? I know the FBI has suddenly, and explain real quick, suddenly said, oh, yeah, there was no insurrection. Why don't you explain uh, why you think they did that? Right. Okay. Yeah, this gets into this strategic dynamic that I think our reporting and the pressure from our reporting really is put into motion. And that is, so this question that I brought up earlier, this question now that really poses itself quite forcefully in light of the revelation of all these informants. We asked, if you have all these informants, you knew what was going on in advance, why didn't you do anything to stop it? Originally, their answer to that was basically, implicitly, we didn't have any informants, don't ask about informants, it was an intelligence (laughs) failure. But now that we know that's not true, their new explanation is, you know what, this was not a uh, pre-planned attack. This wasn't a conspiracy like we've been telling you uh, multiple times a day through all of our lackeys in the media constantly for the past eight months. Whoops, guys, this isn't actually a conspiracy. This was simply a spontaneous outburst that occurred and so there was no foreplanning, and because there was no foreplanning, even though we had the place littered with informants, we could not have had foreknowledge. Gotcha. Because without foreplanning, <laughs> there can be no foreknowledge. Wow, wow, so wow, wow. The problem with this narrative shift, of course, is that it completely destroys the entire foundational basis of what they've told us 1-6 was. They yeah. tell us 1-6, George W. Bush the disgraced oh. former president oh. took the occasion of yes. September 11th to describe 1-6 as a similar style event, a pre-planned domestic terror attack. But if they throw out the pre-planning aspect of the narrative right out of the window, which, by the way, is not only the basis of the conspiracy charges against all of the militia members that they've been telling us 
every yeah. day so far. It's also the basis of the theory of 1-6 advanced by the chairman of the January 6th commission itself. So they're now pushing to destroy this entire narrative in order to cover the FBI's ass so people don't ask, well, if you had informants, why didn't you know, and you knew in advance, why didn't you do anything to stop it? So mm. either way, they're in a bind, and that's leaving out the biggest and baddest and most dangerous elephant in the room that is really the big thing that Revolver.News is reporting, and it's really why the FBI hates us. And that is the big elephant in the room is this one thing. If they knew in advance and did nothing to stop it, it's another thing if actually there was in, for a few people, something resembling the conspiracy they've been talking about, but that that conspiracy took place on the basis of people who are working for the government, which is basically just what happened in Michigan. So that would be even worse than them just knowing it would happen and doing nothing. That would be them, essentially, there was foreplanning, but it was foreplanning on the part of federal agents themselves. Unbelievable. Darren, um, can you hold on a second? I want to take a quick break, and I, I just have a couple more things I want to ask. Do you have equity in your home? Do you realize that cyber thieves are literally searching hundreds of public databases to find out if, if you got equity in your home and you know what they're going to do with it? They're going to take out loans. They're going to forge your signature, and they're going to state that you uh, you sold your home and take out loans using your equity, and you're going to get screwed. <laughs> it just happens. It just happens. Go to HomeTitleLock.com. HomeTitleLock.com is going to prevent that from happening. Okay? Just go to HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code RADIO. And they're going to give you 30 days of free protection. Uh, honestly, can you imagine? Can you imagine of all the things, dear Lord in heaven, of all the things you could possibly go through in your life to have your home equity stolen from you? Unbelievable. Darren Beatty on the phone with Revolver News broke a story that there were FBI informants in the crowd that uh, did not storm the Capitol, and apparently the FBI knew about it, did nothing about it, adds some ammo to what I have called the Democrat version of the Reichstag. Darren, let me ask you this. This story, the fact that it exists and the fact that the New York Times picked up on it shows that it is too big to deny because the New York Times would never, would never print this otherwise. What convinced them finally to tell the truth? Well, uh, as I said, I think this is a damage control operation. What okay. people work at the New York Times, they're not reporters. This is why you see an astonishing lack of talent at these outlets, is that the job <laughs> of these people is really not to do research. It's not to uh, use uh, logical inference to uh, arrive at interesting <laughs> conclusions. It's simply to sit around, and because New York Times is sort of the paper of record of, of the ruling regime, which means once they say something, it's officially uh, part of the, it's admissible in public yeah, discourse. They exactly. sit around and the, the feds are getting worried on the basis of our reporting. They're getting worried because there is a legal requirement for um, prosecution in the 1-6 cases to hand over potentially exculpatory information to the defense. They've been dragging their heels out on this, but now getting the point where they need to do that. And some of that information could very well in include the fact there are a bunch of informants, possibly even incitement or uh, an entrapment yes. Yes. Uh, issue going on. And so because we're getting to that point where they're having to reveal some of these informants and we expect more to come out, 
I suspect the uh, people in the government, in the FBI, reached out to their friendly uh, janitors, their cleanup men uh, in, in the New York Times and said, hey, this go. is going to be exposed. We need you to kind of massage the story in advance so as to make it look <laughs> wow. as, as, as least damaging as possible. Yep. So they released this piece uh, very quietly on a very quiet Saturday morning. That's how you know. Yeah, that's you true. really wanted to underplay it. But uh, <laughs> what's there is there. What's fact is fact. And they wouldn't oh, have reported it oh. if the situation isn't going to look much I gotta, worse for them in the very near future. I got to uh, wrap things up, Darren, just the last 30 seconds. What has the last uh, couple of months done for Revolver? Your life is just must have been turned upside down because you are being read every day by a whole lot more people. Well, it's great. You know, it's good to have an influence. And it's one of those things is that it just goes to show you that uh, driving narratives is a crucial feature of effective media. You don't see it enough uh, on, on the right, I think. On the right, they're constantly responding defensively to narratives that are created by the left. They're yeah. constantly saying, oh, look, look at what this leftist person did that was racist. Yeah. Racist is a term that's controlled by your enemy. Nobody cares if anything's racist. You need to take a proactive step, advance your own narrative, and uh, sometimes you arrive at something that is deeply, deeply um, uh, uh, subversive uh, with respect to our corrupt uh, uh, power structure. Well, I got to tell and you, a lot, you people, well, a lot of people don't want to play the game like that with those stakes, but that's what you got to do to make it. I different. love it. You are you're the man, uh, Darren. I I hope I can have you on again. I love what you guys are doing, and I just thank you for being out there. I really do. You're doing the work that needs to be done. So uh, revolvernews.com, make it a favorite every single day. Yep. You got some just great stories up there now. Quick correction. Go ahead. It's revolver.news. No. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Sorry about that. Revolver.news. Darren, have a glorious weekend, brother. Thank you. You too. We have got to do something to turn this around. And I've been talking about a peaceful American revolution. If you read the Declaration of Independence, it's all right there. And right now, I would say, if you look at the abject corruption and filth coming out of Washington, D.C., that the founders' grievances pale by comparison. We have a tale of two cities, the proletariat moving to Washington, D.C., spending their entire lives telling us how to live ours, not producing anything, not doing anything, but amassing enormous wealth, even if you're a self-proclaimed socialist. And we get the crumbs. They tell us to shut our businesses down, our schools down, our churches down. And we have to wait 10 months until an election's over to get a $600 check to make up for it. Let them eat cake liberals. And now we have a Bastille housing people who went to Washington, D.C. for a patriotic protest because they just wanted people to look at election improprieties, which happened nationwide. And they're languishing in prison. We have an Afghan pullout, which is the biggest military mistake in the history of our country that 70% of Americans are embarrassed and humiliated by. And the powers that be that let it happen appeared before Congress 
and nobody took responsibility. But we've got a guy sitting in a brig in solitary confinement since Monday because he dared to call out the military and say, look what they did to us. A Bastille, a bourgeois, a proletariat. This will not end well for Democrats. This will not end well. Keep fighting. That's all I got to say. Keep fighting. Thank you for joining me today, guys. Please share this uh, podcast with other people. Just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast for all of the digital platforms where it is available. If you would, please um, share that with other folks. Also, uh, this weekend, my TV show is on. Donald Trump thinks I'm the funniest person on television, although it's really hard to be funny lately. (laughs) It really is. God bless our first responders. God bless our military veterans and departed God bless our first responders. God bless you. Yeah, you too. You too. And until tomorrow, don't catch the stupid. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details.